Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then where the pod? Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and uh, today we got uh, Diego back in the escape pod again uh, for another episode of Clone Wars Talk. And we're going to be going over a couple episodes here. Uh, Corruption, The Academy, uh, Assassin, and Arc Troopers. Uh, that is episodes 305, 306, 307, and 302. Uh, numbers 45 through 48 on the list. Uh, so if you're following along at home, uh, that's also in the description for you there. Uh, hit those links and you can stream those on Disney+. Plus. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk to Diego, shall we? What's up, man? Not too much, man. On this episode like of Star Wars The Escape Pod, we will be... Uh, see what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to do, mimic the intro voice. <laughs> this time on Star Wars Escape Pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that being said, the first the first episode we... we uh, we uh, watched was Corruption, which uh, which kind of follows up on the Mandalore arc that we literally just watched the other day, yeah. uh, which uh, had, you know, Satine and Obi-Wan encounter the whole pre Vizsla character and the Darksaber and all that stuff. So uh, we only took one arc in between that, which was the Mace Windu and Anakin, you know, looking for Boba Fett, the whole Boba Fett arc uh, that yeah. just, just happened before this one. Uh, in between but yeah so immediately we're going right back to mandalore again which is really cool and um we got i guess before we start talking about this we got we got a bunch of stuff here but um this entire mandalore arc was mainly about corruption and uh big thing in star wars a big thing um to talk about there but let's just listen to dave filoni real quick uh because he's got a feature out on the episode that i think uh before we start chatting about it we could probably benefit from listening so uh, let's give this a listen to. Senator. Duchess, it's good to see you. One of the things that was a particular challenge always in the Clone Wars is how do we do crowds of people? A lot of people think it's very easy you have these little digital characters, you just hit a button and they all just appear, hundreds of them. But that's really not the case at all. Um, having a variety of different looking characters to create populations is important. One thing that we did, which we had experimented with in the Senate, was the idea of these um, 2D cards 
to help create the crowd simulation, which is a flat projection of a character. So when you look at it from one angle, you'll see this character. If you took the camera and rotated it, you came around the side of the character, you'd see that it was just a cardboard standee, basically. So for the parade scene in Mandalore, when they come out into the opening of this giant space, we wanted to fill it with people and fill it in confetti and make it feel like a very big um, welcoming for Padme. A lot of those characters are actually flat 2D cards. You just can't tell from the angle that uh, we used and how we shot it. And, and that is something that once it was successful there in Mandalore, you're going to see that growing and we're, we're going to see the benefit of that um, throughout the series as we move forward. All right, so that's uh, Dave Filoni. It's just a little bit of the behind the scenes on corruption there, but um, yeah, <clears throat> pretty cool ways they cool. have to do with visual effects and stuff. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess uh, yeah. Another little tip though is like the improvements of the show, right? Like as time goes by, uh, here Dave is talking about kind of the advancements in the way that they're you know doing the animation in the show and stuff like that. It's um, you know it's getting a lot more. Uh, progressive with their like their methods their the ways that they can accomplish big crowds of people like that's a huge deal um mm -hmm. so yeah i know it's just cool to hear but anyway what yeah. you uh what you got for corruption because uh in this episode we saw uh padme uh come to visit satine on mandalore where she's showing uh you know the senator the, their ways and all that um and uh well i guess just for I don't know, it was a, a social visit, I guess. But um, yeah, so uh, we saw, you know, a big greeting and all that. And then uh, we kind of get this unveilment of corruption that's kind of existing within our government. What do you think about that? Um, very, I, I thought it was very kind of relatable to a lot of stuff that potentially goes on, excuse me, uh, in real life. But we don't perhaps see it all. Like we don't, we're not fortunate enough to see all that stuff. But um like one one thing that was pretty interesting for me in this episode, there's a there's a particular scene where Padme is speaking with um, some Mandalorians on Mandalore in this uh, it's, it's like a little conference room, and she makes a point to one of them and says, um, "We want to remain peaceful or something like that." Like uh, like help me out here. I'm trying. I'm like oh, going, was this, drawing a blank here. Like. You talk, you're talking about the little kerfuffle that happened in the courtroom and in the yes. courtroom. Yeah. So yeah. like when she when Padme stands up and she says, um, "We need to remain peaceful and stuff and uh, all all of that," but then one of them kind of stands up and calls Padme out and says, uh, "Don't be a hypocrite. I mean, you're you're part of the republic that is in a mass war right now, and you're talking about being peaceful when." A lot of the yeah. stuff that you guys are doing is in. Oh yeah, sense, yeah, peaceful, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's a good point because like you know all this talk of corruption and everything, and you know we're, you know there there well all this talk about fights in the in a in a in a court right, and and uh, the Senate is fighting all the time. Like we've seen it even in the films of you know the the senates the the senators and delegates and whatever just going at it for you know and nothing ever get, gets done uh anakin actually talks about this in the attack of the clones yeah he uh, when him and padme have a conversation about the senate right and how it works and i and, hate sand uh, 
Yeah. And, and he said, uh, yeah, and he says something along the lines of how he thinks everyone should just, you know, kind of sit down, talk about what's the best interest of the people and then do it. Right. And then, and then, uh, Padme says, that's exactly what we do. It's just that people don't always agree. And then he's like, well, someone should, someone should make them, you know? And then, uh, and then they kind of have a fun little, you know, it's like, well, you know, who's, who's going to make them do it? You? And he's like, no, of course not me. You know, it's yeah. unwise, you know, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, th- so that's, that's kind of the, it's, it's a subtle reference though, to like how the Senate operates. It's like, that's exactly what happens. It's just, people are always fighting about it because yeah. not a lot of people agree on like, what's the, what's in the best interest. And uh, furthermore, like what is in their own interest, right? Because that's where the whole corruption thing comes in. Yeah, and and um, with that, when I when I said like I see how that can kind of re- relate to in real life, like there's so when it comes to politics, and this point that I'm bringing up now kind of ties into the second episode a little bit, but I won't go fully there yet. But what I'm saying is that like a lot of politic political like ideologies how how these people think um no no one's ever happy and like no one everyone has their own way of thinking and a lot of people are kind of oh well i'm neutral but they they tend to lean to one side of the argument um some people are just you know you can't get through to them and some people don't want to accept it some people don't even get involved in it because they know hey, like this guy has a bunch of things I like and I don't like, but this guy also has some things I like and I dislike. So it's like you can't please anyone, you can't please everyone and no one's ever happy, even if there was to be some sort of collective agreement where everyone could agree upon and it would really, you know, benefit everyone. There would still be people complaining because you can't, no one would ever be happy. You know? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. very, very yeah. relatable. And we see, we see that in Star Wars a lot, uh, you know, especially with the Clone Wars, but, you know, just these uh, loads of planets that the Republic and the Jedi, they run into and they try to, you know, a lot of them want to remain neutral. Some of them they fight on, but then after the fight, they say, oh, no, we, we want to stay neutral. And some of them give them the permission, some don't. And it's just, I mean, there's so many, there's so many sides to the argument where uh you know in terms of politics whether in real life or star wars so like very uh you mentioned a a good point the other day um uh where where george lucas does this a lot and it's starting to become a lot clearer that he he really does take a lot of like maybe not a hundred percent like what's going on in the world but like very relatable topics from real life and puts them into the show in his own his own kind of way. So, um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he takes things from the real world and then just applies them in, in star Wars, you know, uses re- the real world as a reference point. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you noticed, but like when we first kind of flew into Mandalore in that opening shot with uh, Padme's ship landing, um, at Sundari city, uh, you'll notice that the surface of Mandalore has been, has been super scathed. So like it's uh it's been very um very scathed with uh just like the the desert desert look you know it's it's all gray and crusted over and there's a Sindari city which is like this black dome right and then uh you see kind of the the 
the tops of buildings kind of poking through the surface of the planet and stuff. That's because after years and years during the old Republic, like years of war has basically like scathed this planet dry. Like there's, there's nothing left. There's a, a bunch of bombardments have happened uh, during the days of the old Republic, all the wars that were raged and uh, the planet was greatly affected by, uh, by these bombardments right so there's no life left right so a lot of the a lot wasteland. of the people, what was that kind of a semi wasteland yeah it's kind of like a semi wasteland but uh, yeah a lot of the people now the only way they can live because there's hardly any atmosphere left either is mm-hmm. they live in this big dome right um yeah. in this big uh this big dome of a uh, of a city um that's kind of also built underground as well so yeah. um so yeah just kind of a like worth mentioning there Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was a cool. Like it was a. This one was uh, was the episode about all the 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 illegal imports at the docks, the uh, the people involved that were corrupted, and you know trying to make a little money on the side, and then uh, it was affecting uh, the the most innocent of people, which was uh, the children in the schools, because their juices were getting poisoned by using this uh, you know the wrong mixture, the wrong dosage for this uh, this um, kind of. Uh, uh, what would you call it? Like a, it's a liquid that that makes more of the same thing, right? So, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the the plot of this one. But uh, uh, yeah, what do we got here? What else? Uh, we got the um, uh, Padme gets her hands dirty quite a bit in this episode because yeah, uh, she does. They do their own investigation, like Padme and Satine, like they're doing their own investigation about the whole matter, right? Uh, so we see Padme squeeze off a few blaster bolts and kind of take matters into her own hands when uh, when the captain gets shot in the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Aggressive negotiations is what she would say. Yeah. Uh, one, another thing that I've noticed, there's a, there's a scene in this episode where um, we've got uh, the prime minister of um, Mandalore, right? And uh, he, he later... T- Later on in this arc, he he actually turns out to be the uh, the the traitor and and the the you know the the mastermind behind this whole conspiracy that something is going on on Mandalore. But anyways, um, we notice that you know he's cloaked and he's doing this deed with these uh, you know underworld dealers of this like uh, let's call it a supplement that they're gonna feed the children in their juice. Um, but it, it can't, when I when I see that. Um, there's there's a part of that scene where the dealer kind of pays him off and like it's kind of like under the table like hush hush money like yeah. we know we know that that kind of stuff happens in real life all the time right and oh yeah it's just a con- yeah it's a corruption right and it's just a constant reminder of uh you know like even in real life you know if if uh if the money's green why not kind of thing yeah. and like that just that's i wanted to bring it up because it's something that happens so often that a lot of people whether you're involved with it or not like it happens all the time mm-hmm. right yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah so and uh you know while while we're at it i mean um you know it's worth just kind of defining corruption here i mean everyone knows what corruption is but you know just just to hear like the actual definition here, it's it means uh, number one definition is it's a dishonest or fraudulent conduct uh, conduct by those in power, typically involving bribery. Uh-huh. Uh, so an example of that would be the journalist who wants to expose corruption in 
in high places. That's just like uh, the best way of using that that word there. But um, yeah, so I mean, you know, it's a real world thing. It's a problem today. It's a problem all the time. It's been a problem since uh, since the days of uh, Judas taking gold to sell Jesus out, right? Uh, like it's it's been it's been around. Like it's it's just one of the many things. That it's it's just like a subject of temptation, right? So yeah. I mean, naturally, in a in a civil war where the galaxy where the galaxy is just in this place of everyone's kind of hit this this point of uh, being affected, right? Like it's it's trickled down to the to the to the most innocent of people, no matter what planet or you know where you're from. Uh, everyone is kind of feeling the effects of this war. With the episode Academy, one thing that I think is interesting is we have a whole group of kids um, working together to solve a, a problem. We did some investigating. There's no food shortage. We found stores of food at the government port. I always refer to it as the kind of like the Harry Potter episode where we have these incredibly large characters like Satine, and yet to solve the corruption on a Mandalore, it's actually going to come from a more unlikely place, which is these students. We've done nothing wrong. And they're led by Ahsoka, which is kind of an important thing because she helps guide them. And this is what we've kind of seen Anakin and Obi-Wan do for her in the past. So it's kind of a handing off of this concept to Ahsoka. Careful. We're being watched. Did he buy it? Have you found my aunt? Satine's in a very bad way. Um, she is running out of friends on Mandalore. I'm getting you out of here. Let's do a count here. We have Tal Merrick, Satine's loyal aide, um, not so loyal, tries to kidnap her and kill her. You're coming with me. Uh, Governor Vizsla, not so loyal, tried to kill her more than once. And now we have uh, Almec, Prime Minister, tries to electrify her. And we're seeing that despite her attempt to make it a neutral, pacifistic society, that it's having a very hard time holding. I told Senator Amidala that Mandalore was not part of the war, yet here I find a battle in my own palace. You know, it's interesting. In a way, she has a lot of similarities to what it's like to be a Jedi, fighting for her cause, though she's doing it through completely pacifistic means. I shall reassert our position of neutrality. You can see Satina's trying to not make the same mistake the Jedi, frankly, are making, which is they're fighting this all-out war. And when you get into the politics, you start to see how the galaxy is fractured. You start to see how someone like Palpatine can use corruption to his advantage and, in the end, take over the galaxy. All right. So very interesting. That was the Academy second episode on the list uh, that we just watched today. And uh, it's interesting that Dave actually talks about that, like Palpatine's kind of like he Palpatine's main tool throughout most of the prequel trilogy and the Clone War is corruption. Yep. Yeah. Because come come the original uh, the original movies, I mean, we already know who Palpatine is. He doesn't have to play, you know, dual agent you know, yeah. on both sides. He's exactly. just, he's you one. know, he's one and he's won what he wanted. And he, he just says the word and destroy a planet or 
bring me Luke or whatever, and and it's done. Yeah, but very very good point he brought up there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess uh, the first thing I noticed in this one was that the reputation of Mandalore at the moment is is that it's deeply corrupt because Anakin mentioned to this to Ahsoka when he drops her off, like at the beginning of the episode. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 He's like, okay, you got to be very careful because according to Padme, this place is, you know, the it's very deeply corrupted and uh, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, you know, it might, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just it. Like some governments like have that reputation. Right. And it's unfortunate that with a duchess says, pacifistic and good as Satine is uh to her people uh it, it sucks that mandalore has this reputation right now yeah but uh yeah what was the what was the first thing that you kind of like caught i guess uh for me like throughout this whole episode and a little bit through the next one uh, we do it i say this it's kind of an ahsoka episode uh I'm, I'm sure as those of you who are uh, dedicated listeners and have been listening th- since the beginning uh, so far, like Ahsoka, I, I'm not the biggest fan of her, but she's kind of, she's kind of starting to grow on me. Like this one, uh, this episode, um, like yeah. you said, at the beginning, Anakin um, gives her the brief and kind of mm-hmm. says, Hey, you know, like watch yourself. And the, Prime Minister says uh, you won't be needing your weapon, and then um, Anakin takes her lightsaber away. And the whole episode, she she fights and defends herself and defends uh, Duchess Satine of Mandalore like quite well, with just using the Force and just uh, her skills. So her hand to hand, her sorry, her hand to hand combat, uh, just her skills overall, they're really growing. Um, and she's getting really, um, she's getting really good at um, honing in her skills. Like she's yeah, still a pat, sure. she's still a padawan, and uh, Plo Koon kind of brought her to the Jedi and said, "Hey, like this is a good, you know, this is a good catch. She's a good catch, kind of thing." And she's really starting to, uh, you know, pull her weight a lot more because she's really, she's really getting, um, like fine-tuning like her 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 skills even even as a padawan like she's using uh jedi mind tricks uh you know like yeah we've uh, seen her mature quite a lot since uh over the last you know so much of the show like she's she's come a long way yeah um yeah she's not she's not as uh peppy and she's not as uh you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, just like her lines aren't aren't as cheesy. Like today, what we saw was uh, exactly how Dave put it in the featurette here, um, is that we've seen her kind of go from this position of constantly learning from people, uh, you know, uh, as like Matt, her masters and stuff like that, like Anakin and Obi Wan. But she's now in the position of uh, teaching uh, people younger than her, and we've we've just seen this as well in uh, the lightsaber lost episode as well she she goes into that uh training room at the end and and uh, master sanube and yoda get her to share her story and her experience about what she's learned right to those younglings yeah. and so so she is now kind of reaching the point of being able to take her knowledge and apply it to her life and just kind of uh you know do this in a bit of a more mature way and we we see that reflected now in her abilities 
and her her personality as well she's just becoming a little more mature yeah. um for sure so uh i thought it was actually funny in the beginning when you mentioned uh, the prime minister almac is it prime minister is prime minister almac okay yeah um he mentions that uh, since Obi-Wan was last there, they've prevented even Jedi from carrying weapons on Mandalore. <laughs> yeah. I, thought that, I thought that was pretty funny. They just kind of, you know, throw a uh, throw Obi-Wan under the bus there. But Yeah, they uh, blame him for it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it also came up that, uh, yeah, was like I think I mentioned this before, but it was all, Dave also talked about in the featurette that, you know, Pre Vizsla, a member of, you know, parla- of, of the government says, you know, turned against her, uh, Satine and uh, now the prime minister is behind uh, the corruption of of um, some of this food uh, ordeal going on. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that he's making deals on the black market and uh, taxing the people for stuff that he's benefiting from and nobody else is seeing the reward, right? Like it's it's uh, it's all these things kind of all the dominoes of, of when you get a corrupt uh, uh, leadership right like it's all the dominoes just falling at once um you know realizing that there's so many people a part of it and uh, so many people a part of the uh the system so yeah. uh what else you got on this one uh this one let's see so again kind of kind of the whole the whole theme of this uh this entire arc is uh you know very very political very uh, you know corruption um here let's just see uh you know, kind of another point to kind of what I said for the first episode, like due to the, all these, all these, uh, you know, dirty political decisions being made by the prime minister. I mean, there's, it's so, re- so relatable in real life because, because of all this stuff, you know, people just simply based on people not agreeing with something. That's why there's been so many, uh, so many wars, so many civil wars, just so many uh, conflicts uh, just simply on, you know, people not agreeing with each other or just never being able to come to terms with what's been set in stone as like the law or what, what have you. Um, it's just another classic example of uh, George's way of kind of making uh, some real life scenarios come into Star Wars even more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that one... Yeah. If that's yep. all you got on on that's, that's if that's all you got for the academy, I think that pretty much concludes our Mandalore arc. Yeah, I mean, there was one that I wrote down here that we kind of we were yeah. kind of talking about when the episode happened. It was kind of like, uh, you know, all uh, you know, it, it, this war is kind of happening solely due to Palpatine, right? But his manipulation and him kind of puppeteering all the shots on. You know whether it's the Republic or you know, yeah. working with the Separatists, like all uh, all of this is due to him having his hands in both sides of the paw, right? And yeah. he's just it's it just it's amazing how uh, how quick things happen with him just making one decision. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, actually, I got something down uh, about the Prime Minister. So at the very end, there when mm-hmm. Satine when Satine was locked up. Um, he, you know, he, he, he was trying to make her sign um, basically a document that would shift all the blame to her about uh, all the illegal activity that he's done, right? Just so, another greasy move, man. Oh, yeah. An- another completely, you know, solid 
you know move of corruption right there just trying to just trying to corrupt mandalore against satine by making her out to be the one to blame right yeah and Um, hiding the actual problem which is him yeah exactly exactly like that's like the you know that's just uh i mean not only is it just treason because i mean that's their their duchess but also um you know just incredibly corrupt so uh are you threatening uh, me master jedi (laughs) (laughs) i am the senate (laughs) it's it's treason (laughs) then all right let's listen to the featurette uh for the next episode called assassin bail organa and i are leading a conference concerning the refugees from the war i leave for alderaan in the morning in the episode Assassin, one of the interesting things that we got to do was go to Alderaan. Now, this is, this is pretty amazing. I mean, I know we saw it in Revenge of the Sith, and, and that was very eye-opening because it had these, all, like, these alpine mountains, and it was these, this kind of futuristic castle set up there in these mountains. And, and growing up, I always thought of Alderaan as more of the grasslands that uh, Ralph McQuarrie, I think, had famously painted in early development for the original Star Wars. But you know, when working with George, he wants to see Bale go to those mountainous regions, the castle where um, we saw him in Revenge of the Sith. So let's dig up all the old uh, concept artwork that George had done for Revenge of the Sith and see um, how that stuff works still. Let's look at um, all of Ralph's old data on Alderaan. So we're taking something Alderaan, which in the original Star Wars was just a matte painting of a planet that got blown up. And now we're going to go there. And that's always exciting. But now we want to make sure we get it right. We've got to make sure that we connect with all the different Lucas um, divisions that have all, ever done anything with Alderaan and see how, uh, you know, for this series, for George specifically, we can make it look like he wants it to. Even Kevin Kiner got in on the act, and, and he has Leia's theme a very reminiscent uh, note of Leia's theme as, as Pat May's landing uh, on the platform at Alderaan. It's always a great moment when Kevin can, can sneak those, those themes in because it really ties us together with the whole Star Wars experience. One of my favorite sets on Alderaan is probably the uh, big conference hall where we have a wonderful painting um, done in the background. It just kind of gives you a sense of history, a sense of culture, for um, Alderaan, and it's just really wonderfully done. And I, I love those types of details in the sets. We use some influences from the interior of the Blockade Runner. Uh, we use some influences from the kind of more futuristic things we saw in Revenge of the Sith to do the interior hallways. Isn't it just beautiful? And then there's a wonderful scene shot on the balcony overlooking this vast landscape of mountains and hills um, with Padme and Ahsoka. Almost reminds me of the sound of music at that point, uh, which I think is, uh, uh, a really fortunate and nice thing to happen if you've seen that movie. All right, so that's Assassin. Uh, that's a very long movie, Sound of Music. It's a good movie, but it's so It is, long. Yeah, yeah, very long. Yeah, I remember yeah. Uh, we used to own the, the, well, I think we still own it, but it's the, it's the, the VHS, uh, I believe it's two tapes long. Yeah. I think it's two, two uh, yeah, it's like a double tape movie kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but have you seen the stage play? No, uh, my because you my like mom you ha- like going to uh, performances. Like you like going to the uh, uh, what what was it again? The opera, opera. Right? the opera. Yeah, yeah. I, I do enjoy going to the opera. I've never seen Sound of Music. My my mom has, and she says it, it was really good. 
Yeah. But um, I've seen it once, I think. Um, I, I, like the, the performance of it? or Yeah, the oh. performance of it. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's a, there's a little Bavarian uh, village kind of across the border, a couple hours drive away that um, uh, that's um, oh, what's it called again? Uh, uh, oh my goodness, starts with an L. Uh, anyway, uh, it's uh, it's got that we we went to a performance there where they had it on in the mountains, kind of like close to where the ski hill is. So the backdrop was actually like snow capped mountains and everything like that, and it was an outdoor play uh outdoor stage play and the the sets were amazing and uh the acting was great and the music of course is fantastic so nice um yeah it's it's a good performance but yeah that's that's totally like the alps on alderan definitely remind you of of um the uh, yeah the, the, yeah the, the opening scene the opening scene she's singing and she's got her like blanket and yeah. she's doing one of these <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. very beautiful yeah. planet uh peaceful yeah. planet beautiful planet that's kind of what alderan is known for Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, very cool to see Alderaan and the Clone Wars finally get a little more than just the balcony that, uh, Bale and Bria kind of, uh, look at baby Leia in Revenge of the Sith. That was the only time we've seen it. Other than mm-hmm. that, we did see it in, uh, A New Hope and, uh, yeah. unfortunately met its demise, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's cool just to explore that culture and, and like what Dave was saying, just some of the, you know, the buildings and, uh, I noticed some of the hairstyles of some of the people were very kind of like Leia-ish. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, which reflect in her culture, uh, just kind of going back to Alderaan as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so this episode kind of featured Ahsoka quite a bit and and her yeah. premonitions and kind of her, um, her uh, undecidedness in whether or not to like or how to I, I guess kind of deal with it you know like it's it's a different side of the force than something that she uses in battle quite a bit right because you know mm-hmm. she's she's this is an apprentice that is grown up learning from the jedi in the time of war which is pretty uncommon right so um you know like having things like premonitions and all that it's uh it's one of those things that i guess she hasn't really dealt with she hasn't had to deal with it too much uh, but yeah, what did you what did you kind of get with this one? Uh, so with this one, sorry, sorry, I was on the wrong page. Uh, yeah, like uh, I mentioned, that he she's got um, premonitions, very very similar to kind of what Anakin is going through at this time. Like we see him have we see him have his first set in uh, uh, Attack of the Clones. We see them very much so in Revenge of the Sith. Um, but something that kind of happens that I noticed throughout this episode is every time that Ahsoka has a premonition, like, uh, she sees what's going to happen. She sees the future, but every time, uh, there's a, 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 a certain, you know, highlight in her premonition that she's like, Hey, I should probably do something about it. Every time she sees that, um, at least the first time she, she acts on it too quick when there's nothing actually wrong. Uh, and kind of like when, when Padme is in bed and then she bursts through the door, um, she says the assassins here and yeah. then kind of ignites her lightsaber and just kind of like, yeah, wa- waves mis- it around a, misread, a bit. A yeah. misread premonition. Exactly. And uh, like that scene kind of reminded me a lot of the, the beetle in, uh, attack of the clones kind of when, when, um, it's oh, in when Padme's Anakin room. Bursts in the room. Yeah. yeah, when he bursts in the room, he does one of these and he, he just slices it in half and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. 
Yeah. But um, it was interesting to see that connection because it's another thing that really connects them. Like uh, Anakin is very, you know, on the fly, very uh, improvises all the time. Same with Ahsoka and kind of like learning from Anakin quite a bit. She's adopting a lot of his methods. Totally, totally. And like with the whole premonition thing and then actually being right about them and then changing the outcome and stuff uh, in certain cases, at least. But yeah, yeah, actually, this was a perfect scenario, uh, an example of like the premonition, one of the later premonitions that she had about Padme actually being shot. Right. We saw it from a certain angle. That looked like she may have died, right? But Ahsoka, deter- like she's, de- uh, she perceives it as she's not sure, right? She's not sure if she's she's dead or not, right? Like she, uh, but you know, if she if she did go about it in a certain way, uh, you know, things might have not worked out the way that they did, right? And this is what happened to Anakin, where he saw a premonition of, of Padme dying in childbirth, and he acted on it in a certain way that literally made that happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, if, if it weren't for, if, if he did nothing, then maybe it wouldn't have. Right. And that's, that's, that this goes back to one of my favorite quotes that Yoda has in the entire show. And beyond that, it's a, a, probably in, in star Wars in general. Uh, you know, he's got the whole famous quote, like do or do not, there is no try all his famous little kind of, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> one of my favorite things that he's ever said as a character is the quote in this episode. And it, and he says, always emotion is the future and many possible futures there are. So like that's that's some Yoda wisdom right there. But because uh-huh. he is saying in his own way, the future is not set. Like the, the force is warning you of impending possibilities. It's not telling you what is going to happen. Right. Uh-huh. And we've seen this before. We've seen We've seen Luke, you know, we've seen him like see uh, the city in the clouds, right? The Bespin and Han and Luke and or, sorry, Han and um, and uh, Leia and uh, and Chewie, like all his friends, like they're being um, tortured. And, you know, his description of his premonition is slightly different from what actually happens. Like we do see Han getting tortured, but none of them are actually uh, dying. Right. So, um, yeah, and that's, um, that's another cool. What was that? Oh, no, I was going to say, um, um, oh man, uh, another interesting, another interesting note to put on to there, like, uh, just between the similarities, Anakin through Anakin and, uh, Ahsoka is that they do the same thing a lot of the time. Like, uh, they'll have a premonition and they go speak to Yoda about it. And Ahsoka does the same thing. Um, there's actually one it's, it's, it's related to the conversation, but it's a little sidebar, but, um, there's, there's one premonition where it's almost like a daydream and, and we kind of see it zoom in into, uh, Ahsoka's, uh, you know, her vision, her face kind of thing. And, uh, she, she has this kind of daydream premonition. And, uh, the only thing that comes to mind when I saw that was the show, that's a Raven, for those of you that uh, still remember that show. But funny enough, I learned today that the same actor that plays Ashley in that show. Um, oh, I guess Ahsoka? Ahsoka's voice, Ashley Eckstein? Yeah, Ashley uh, yeah. Eckstein. Like she, the same character from, what's her, what's her character's name in the show? I forget. It's. Um, oh, in Lazo Raven? Yeah. I believe it was Muffy. Muffy. So. So the same person who plays Muffy is playing Ahsoka. And it's, it's, it's so funny because that, 
that only reminds me of that's a raven and it was co- it was cool a cool little connection yeah. but, but that's uh, yeah that's kind of besides the point but i just want to throw that out there but yeah um, yeah um yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, we see another game of Dejarik going on. Uh, that um, kind of uh, hologram chess game that they always play. Yeah, um, the famous, the famous hollow chess. Yeah, uh, it, it's so common. We see it all the time. Yeah, we see it all the time. Actually, um, did you pick up on something I wrote down here when we were in? It was towards the beginning <clears throat> of the episode after after Ahsoka has her premonitions. Uh, yeah. She goes to Yoda's room, like what you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. And um, did you notice that Yoda has a, a crest on the door and on the floor of his room? No. So if you if you go to uh, StarWars.Fandom.com or the Wikipedia, and if you search up Yoda's crest, uh, you'll be able to see a, 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 an image of what this crest looks like. It's a it's a ring with um, like a, a couple wings of. Uh, like on the inside, it, it's kind of this interesting looking logo, but uh, yeah, apparently this crest, this crest um, has uh, is also it's also been seen on his ship as well. Uh, so later on in the show, in the Clone Wars, that is, uh, we will see uh, Yoda's starfighter, uh, which is basically um, like the other Jedi starfighters that we see in Episode Three, um, and uh, those those ships, uh, except his is like a smaller version of that. Um, and it's also in, uh, the battlefront two, uh, game as well. But, uh, yeah, so it looks like you found it there. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, just like an, uh, an interesting little Easter egg and, uh, it has a couple appearances through the show, so you can be looking for it, but, mm-hmm. um, that is, that is Yoda's, uh, crest. And I, I don't know if it's just for the grandmaster in general, maybe he's been grandmaster a long time that, uh, he's got his own little logo, but, um yeah just just an easter egg to point out uh it's funny you mentioned that i'm actually on uh uh fandom right now uh and it says appearances so we've got we've got the first appearance in attack of the clones and then throughout the clone wars episodes we've got an assassin the one we're actually talking about right now the box Mm. brothers the wrong jedi voices destiny and sacrifice so pretty pretty interesting um um note you, you brought up and i'll i'll be watching out for that now because that, yeah uh, yeah totally yeah. whenever you see yoda in his room or or uh his ship or uh, you know anything like that just yeah that's that's what that logo is that's, uh-huh. that's specifically for him so yeah um yeah through this episode we had uh ahsoka doubting herself when it comes to larger than life things about understanding of the force so um you know like in the last arc that we just watched with her in in the previous episode that is in the the academy we saw her she's pretty confident in her ability to fight like she's you know she's willing to take on uh a bunch of police officers you know she's like even without her lightsaber like she was able to undergo that whole process that whole um kind of life-threatening task and uh and yet here we see her kind of in this position of being very unsure of like what to do uh, because I guess, I mean, in part, like it also considers the life of somebody uh, close to her and somebody else, but, uh, but it's also a new side of the force that she's probably never kind of had to deal with yet. Right. Yeah. Um, so I like that was, that was a huge kind of theme through this whole thing is that, um, you know, as she, she had a conversation with Padme about feeling unsure when they're playing yeah. that chess chess game that you met you were talking about yeah. and um yeah and and padme had to give her kind of a, a word of advice on 
dealing with her unsureness because Padme, of course, was queen of Naboo when she was a very like young age. Of, I don't know if it was like, I think it was like 12 or 14 or something like that. It was, yeah, like a, yeah she was a pretty young age uh, to be, to be queen. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's obviously gone through something of the same, you know, similar sorts, but yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting point. Like just a lot more character development for Ahsoka. Like we're starting to see her really kind of grow and yeah, she's bettering herself as a Jedi. Um, really, really cool to see. Um, yeah. What else you got for, uh, let's see. So we've got, uh, Oh, actually Dave Bologna. He actually, uh, mentioned it already with uh, Leia's theme on Alderaan there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Leia's theme. That was good to hear. Yeah. Um, we've very, got, very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, those uh senate commandos those suits uh i mentioned to you during the episode like they really reminds me of kind of like a halo halo kind of master chief kind of uniform um for those of you who may be on short google uh senate commando and it's these troopers that they start out with um a blue blue yeah. yeah like a navy blue uniform they're troopers right but they're um their commandos, right? When they eventually turn into the Royal Guards. Um, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, uh, yeah, and some of, some of the Senate commandos, actually, uh, a lot of them aren't clones. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some of them could be, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of them are not. Uh, we saw uh, Captain Argaius in uh, one of the past episodes that we saw, the one who um, freed... Uh, uh, it was after the Bombed Jedi episode that, uh, where Captain Argyus uh, works with Ventress to free, um, uh, oh man, what uh, what's his name? Newt Gunray uh, yeah. from uh, from the the prison cell that he was in on that ship uh, that Ahsoka was on with Luminara Unduli. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really early on in the show, and uh, yeah, and so so like we've seen these Senate Commandos pop up a few times, but yeah, these are the guys that we see in the same similar outfits in revenge of the sith they're wearing big navy blue robes and they have like a roman style kind of mohawk fluffy thing on their helmet yeah um i don't know why they don't have these in the show in the clone wars but i think it's maybe more like battle tactical yeah Uh, so maybe uh yeah maybe the design was changed you know for the war or something like that but um yeah and then uh they also um uh, are the same ones that turn into the Red Royal Guards, I believe, uh, which we see at the end of Revenge of the Sith when Yoda goes to confront Palpatine. He knocks out the two Emperor's Royal Guards. Yeah, so uh, it seems that the shift of kind of, you know, armor happens at some point during the Clone War after-ish. And yeah. uh, that's that's when we start to see the first of kind of the Imperial era of uh, of design scheme i guess but Mm -hmm. um yeah but again those are they're not always clone troopers but there is a book called lords of the uh i believe it's lords of the sith and a couple royal guards accompany palpatine uh and vader to ryloth and it is revealed at some point in the in the book that one of these royal guards is in fact a clone trooper um and uh one of one of a few of them that are still in commission at this point because a lot of them are uh, aging out or dying out or dead, uh, you know, just from the war and everything like that. 
um but uh but yeah so some of them are some of them aren't um just kind of worth mentioning there yeah uh yeah uh, what else you get for this one uh, so in this episode like uh th- the whole the main theme is kind of like there's an assassination uh, attempt uh threat on uh, padme's life again and um it's uh, the first appearance from uh aura singh since the uh little uh boba fett arc yeah, so it wasn't too long ago that we saw her. Yeah, so she she's back pretty quickly. Yeah, so she and, survived. Um, she survived the crash of Slave One. Yeah, uh, she she tells Ahsoka that Hondo dug her out of the wreckage. Yeah, uh, she she got dug out by Hondo, and um, she was hired by a, a character we haven't seen in a while. Uh, our good friend Zero the Hut. Zero, so, yes, the yeah. the uncle uh, Rada's uncle who. Um, worked with Dooku to conspire against Jabba the Hutt by kidnapping his son. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so pretty, pretty cool to see him again. And he's, he's been kind of, you know, like locked up. He's in, he's in a prison, right? At yeah. this time. And uh, I found it funny because he has a line when Ahsoka comes back and kind of tell towards the end of the episode, um, Ahsoka comes to his cell and she says, uh, you know, we, you've been had, we, we found out what you were doing and tries to get information out of him that, uh, we're kind of told indirectly by Orasing that she was hired. Like she, we're told that she was hired, but she just wanted to confirm it to kind of, uh, extend his, um, sentence, uh, to zero the hut. And then yep. he kind of, he kind of leaks, right. He, he leaks out his info and then, She's like, ah, well, you're done. You know, you just you just extended your sentence or whatever. Um, yeah. And he has this funny little line in there. He's like, you're not, you don't, you're unaware of what I'm capable of. Uh, and that kind of echoes on as the the camera kind of pan, pans back away from it. Yeah. And, it, and so it's like, I wonder what it's else setting, you can it's do. It's setting something up. It is setting something up. There is an yeah. episode which we will watch in a little bit that that kind of follows that up a little bit. But yeah, okay, um, yeah. it's the first time that we've seen the Republic prison where they keep all yeah. the criminals and everything. Yeah. Uh, that that, that will, we'll see that again. But, um, but yeah, that is kind of a cool kind of nod to, you know, it's like, oh, where, all, where do all these criminals go? It's like, oh, they're kept in this thing and you know what i thought of the first time i saw it was uh i thought of the uh prison in uh lilo and stitch at the very very beginning of the film when you see stitch on on board the ship uh that uh that he was created on uh there's a there's kind of this this prison that he gets put in this like cell right uh or he gets walked towards it or whatever and um anyway there's there's all these like laser doors for all the different cells that you see all these like aliens kind of walking around all over the place and um that's uh it, it just kind of ha- bears like a lot of a bit of resemblance to that so that's just kind of something i noticed a little bit about um, yeah yeah I, scheme. I just googled that picture and yeah you're right i can see where you're going because like all the cells are they're all in close proximity to each other and they're all stacked and there's like hundreds of them right so yeah yeah exactly that's pretty that's a good point yeah totally um Um, yeah a bit (laughs) of a weird connection there but you know Mm -hmm. um, but hey now it's all owned by disney now so i mean (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. so directly linked you know yeah yeah exactly um there was one do you have anything else or should i go into my last point here um yeah i mean yeah the last point i've kind of already mentioned a couple times yeah so, uh, okay I, I, yeah 
<laughs> yeah, so the last one, the last one I had was a conversation between Ahsoka and Padme, where Padme's on the balcony and she says, uh, uh, you know, looking at the mountain range, and she says, uh, "It's just beautiful, isn't it?" or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Ahsoka says, uh, "Yes, but you should really go back inside. Uh, you know, it's not safe out here." And then, and she says something along the lines of, "Ahsoka, I, I can't just stop living my life. You know, like even mm-hmm. though there's this impending attack on her life, that she can't just you know stop living, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, so it made me think of uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, that, that <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Thing. Yeah, the entire thing there. I was like, oh, that's just straight up all of us right now. It's like, yeah, you know, we're being told to go back inside. It's like, oh man, but you know, I can't stop living. <laughs> yeah, or the sick. So, no, no, no. Remember when I said like in uh, the sickness of the kids, like they're all in the hospital there, and that's yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that was in the last episode. Uh, in not not assassin, but. Um, in oh, the academy yeah, yeah. Uh, in the academy uh, yeah no, it was in the corruption it was in corruption oh, cor- uh, oh yeah episode. that's right that's right yeah that's when right. satine yeah. and padme visit the hospital and all those children were uh getting tummy aches and stuff like that yeah everyone's dying and i'm like oh corona what a surprise yeah. so yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah okay so uh we got one more episode that we that we kind of watched today and that was uh the attack on camino uh arc troopers so let's listen to the feature right here yeah one of my favorite things in this show you know, is the clone armor. We get to design clone armor. That's just awesome. I, I can't get into how awesome that is. It's a great thrill. Um, I mean, Commander Wolf, for example, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is, a very, is a case where I took thing, something I liked, wolves, and I said, I'm putting that on a clone trooper helmet. When we got to season three, you know, I discussed it with Killian Plunkett. Well, it's probably time to start a change. We've seen the, the classic episode two clones for two seasons, three seasons really, once you're done with season three. And uh, it's time to start introducing the idea that they're gonna change their helmets at some point, like they have in Revenge of the Sith. So when we did the ARC Troopers, I'd come up with the idea that the ARC Troopers are wearing experimental armor on Kamino. And the ARCs are being trained there in, in quite a lot of amount of secrecy, like you, you hear in the EU. Start the Citadel Challenge. And uh, they're wearing this hybrid helmet that's part episode two with the fin on the top and part episode three with the, the style of goggles and the teeth in the, in the mouth. And uh, it just became a really interesting helmet for us to have. And we got to show more armor attachments on the body. So the entire costume is a bit different than what you've seen before in, in the clone troopers. It's really great. And it all comes to a head for me at the end when I'm out at a convention and one of the popular first guys walks up and he's wearing the armor that we designed with the paint job we designed. I mean, <laughs> I can't tell you how much I look forward to that. I really do. And it looks like these guys just walked off the screen and there they are standing. So I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I design some of this stuff sometimes with those guys in mind. The more interesting clones I can get for the audience, uh, you know, the better. And we'll just keep doing it because, uh, I mean, who doesn't want a clone helmet? I know, I know you want one. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants a clone. Oh, Dave Vlogna. Uh, Dave, Dave. Um, yeah, so the 501st is uh, the unofficial slash official costume group for Star Wars. Uh, if you look up the 501st Legion costume group, you'll be able to kind of see what I'm talking about. But uh, they're the guys that show up at conventions, at parades um at uh movie releases for star wars all that stuff uh if you've ever gone to triple force friday or force friday or 
any of the big toy releases. Some of them make it there as well. Uh, they do photo ops at uh, expos and, and all this sort of thing. There's thousands of members across the whole world, a part of this costume group. And uh, there's a lot of rules involved with how kind of like the standards of like what it has to look like and everything. So it's cool to see that uh, they're acknowledged by Dave. You know, Dave, I think, is an honorary member. And, um, you know, it's interesting to know that uh, it's like when he's designing some of these these uh, costumes that uh, he keeps those guys in mind. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just just like a cool nod there. But uh, this was a cool episode because we got uh, the Battle of Camino. Now, this uh, the, the Battle of Camino in this episode in particular is featured in the Battlefront 2 game. Uh, in uh, on the Camino map, if you've ever played as Republic or Separatist and you've gone to Camino in the game, um, this is the battle in this episode that that map is actually designed off of, with all the uh, squid, the squid-like ships that are jumping onto the the different buildings on uh, Topoka City and and all that stuff. But um, what was kind of like something that you kind of picked up because this was a very cool battle action episode. Not a lot of depth stuff to talk about, but uh, but a lot of like uh, other things. So so what was kind of something you noticed? Yeah, same thing. Like what you just said, like very action packed. But like uh, first first note that we that we see is like they're back to Camino and uh, it's about to get real because the whole theme of the episode is you know we've got General Grievous and uh, the first appearance of Asajj Ventress in a while. We haven't seen her and she's yeah. she's back. So it's been a while. She, yeah. Yeah, she teams up with um, General Grievous, and they're going to Camino. And their plot is that they want to go and steal the plans, like the DNA, the molecular makeup, if you will, of uh, of uh, Jangle Fett. So, like Clone One, you know, like Ground Zero uh, yeah. plans for, for the Clone Army, right? Which is, if you think about it, in in theory, if they if they get this right, you know that they've got a huge advantage now, like yeah. just massive. Like they can, they can stop, they can stop the production, whether they destroy, whether they yeah. keep it. Well, you know? they could make bioweaponry that targets the clone troopers as well. Totally. They could make their own clones, you know, like they could, they could just do so much. Right. So like yeah. really a lot of weight behind this, you know, this little vial that we see what, what it is eventually in the episode. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, super, super cool. I mean, uh, we see we see these, uh, like you said, these squid kind of, they're like a squid droid submarine thing that kind of, it drills through these buildings on Camino, And like that kind of reminds me of the, um, oh, what's, their, what's it called? It reminds me of the machines in uh, Matrix. Uh, like when they're, oh, yeah. when they're hammering and they, they open the, the uh, they kind of open the gates of, uh, oh, what was the name of that city? I forget. Um, you gotta rewatch the film again. <laughs> no, I I just watched I just watched the trilogy like uh, a, a few months back. Like I forget the name, but they're Zion, Zion. So they they open the they open the gates kind of like with their with their uh, tentacles and stuff, and like it's it's cool to see that. So like I, I mm. noticed a cool connection there. Um, in the episode, uh, Obi Wan kind of uh he's underwater uh at this point and he sees what's referred to as aqua droids which is pretty cool i mean these are these must be droids that are you know they're they're specially made like at the at the factory right like they're they're made to withstand water they're they're obviously you know they're still droids so like you do notice there's a scene where um they 
kind of puncture uh, through Obi-Wan's glass on his uh, ship underwater, uh, and he has no choice but to eject, right? So he's holding his breath. He's trying to swim up all the way. And it's a constant theme that I noticed, that we all notice really throughout Star Wars is that, you know, the classic, you know, R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO, they're getting blasted at by troopers in, in A New Hope, right? No one lands a shot. Like, at all like in the same thing in empire strikes back and return of the jedi like you know so many scenes with several characters throughout this whole franchise of star wars like no one gets hit by these guys and i i get it that you know they're they're mass made right these droids they're they're mass made and like the you know the quality kind of drops down but the quantity is there right but uh like it's always funny to me because I, I just remember like we'll, we'll, we're watching them as kids, right? And like we're just we're howling at how bad everyone's shot is, right? And then you give it to the hands of like you know Leia or Luke, and it's just like pew, one shot done. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with Boba Fett. Um, so yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, um, so I noticed that the it like the first off, I mean, this is a very personal fight for the clones because. Their yeah. home, their home is technically Camino, right? Yeah. Um, even though they're clones, and I'm sure that they, you know, both hate the place and the Caminoans for you know the way that they've been raised and everything like that. But yeah, like it's a sensitive topic, and we've gone over this before. But it is the closest thing that they have to a home is exactly. Is so so immediately off the bat, you know, when when word reaches Kenobi and Skywalker about about the impending attack, um, you know, Cody and Rex are in the room, and they're like, you know. Like, oh, well, this is a personal fight for us clones. Like that's, you know, Camino is our home, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So this this attack is kind of a follow up to the episode that we watched close to the beginning now at this point. Um, it was uh, number, uh, let me see, number nine on the list, uh, episode 105. It was called Rookies. And it saw Echo and Fives and Heavy and those guys uh, after we kind of followed up with them on the training episode called Clone Cadets and all that, uh, they uh, had a bit of a problem on the Rishi outpost. So since the Rishi Moon outpost has been destroyed, um, Kamino's defenses have been somewhat limited. So um, that was part of, I believe, the plan uh, to kind of infiltrate Camino goes dates all the way back to that episode, which was like over, over 20 episodes ago now, I think at this mm-hmm. point, yeah. uh, possibly, but, uh, yeah. So, um, it's a cool follow up to that story thread. Uh, so now we're kind of getting that as well. And, um, the, uh, there was a subtle reference to it in, uh, the hidden enemy where Ventress kind of walks off and says something about executing the next stage of her master's plan. And, and this and that and whatever and um yeah it's kind of like it's it's kind of been stitched in there as kind of a a cap off to all this stuff that had to do with hinting at this attack on camino so um so that's kind of cool and um uh yeah uh that would be ventures to ship uh she's been driving this thing around for a while now it's that big squid monster thing but now we've seen that there's actually quite a few of these guys um and that are that are used on the attack but um yeah i don't know um what else do you get um yeah so there was a you pointed out to me like a a lot of the subtle differences that we're starting to see and just in the development of the um clone troopers armor like we have uh like as 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 um as you said like we we see a lot of phase one um 
and there is this one arc trooper that has sort of a, a phase two look going on. Uh, and I'll hopefully, hopefully everyone knows what I'm talking about here, but uh, I'll pull up a picture. Like when you, when you start to see the differences, you start to see, okay, well, phase one is kind of like the face, right? Everyone, everyone looks at, um, everyone looks pretty much the same. And then the, the higher ups, they've got, you know, mm-hmm. the phase two and it's starting yeah. to look a lot, like phase two really starts to look a lot more, uh, what we see in revenge of the Sith towards, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the start of, uh, uh, order 66. Um, yeah, that's the phase two helmet is what we see in ep- episode three, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, the phase, the phase two prototype armor that Dave Filoni was talking about in the featurette, um, has the fin it's got the, the, the goggle look of, uh, the phase two helmet, but it still has a lot of the features that the phase one helmet has too, like the, the fin on the top and, yeah. um, yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, it's just got subtle kind of nods to the, the phase two helmet, but still maintains some of the phase one elements. So mm-hmm. it, it is actually a really cool design, but at the moment, um, this episode, I mean, it's called arc troopers, uh, because fives and echo get promoted at the very end to, uh, arc trooper status. Now arc trooper is um is uh, a um what do you call it? an acronym uh for advanced recon commando uh so uh, i believe it's our advanced yeah advanced recon commando so uh, that's kind of the um the uh the the uh, well what an arc trooper is and they're they're kind of an elite form of clone trooper and uh we've seen a few of them before in the show um and now our uh, fives and echo is uh is you know they are kind of going to become one but there's a few of them in this battle that shows up that kind of bears that armor so it appears as if the advanced recon commando troopers right now are the only troopers that are actually kind of wearing the armor and it looks as if they're kind of testing it out they're like the beta test uh you know troopers that are kind of giving it a go before they roll it out to the whole army um so that it's it's kind of a cool like way of introducing those helmets in the show uh, it's not like one episode to the next, all the clones are wearing the new, the new helmets all of a sudden. Right. So, yeah. uh, which, you know, at some point they will be wearing the phase two helmets. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, the phase two helmets, they, they were, uh, they had, they had gear in them, which was, uh, more suitable. Uh, it was just, a, it was a, it was a more expensive suit actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, actually I'll, I'll look it up here. Um, I sent you some pictures. I actually found a picture that has all the um, the helmets of we've got phase one, phase two, um, yeah. stormtroopers, and then we have uh, the abortion troopers. Um, I, ha- uh, I just had the picture too. I lost it. You know, bear with me here. Um, yeah. But, oh, here but, we go. I got the. Um, so I got the Wikipedia page up here. So this is what it says. Yeah. Uh, so more advanced than more advanced than its predecessor, it was capable of supporting more specialized equipment. Unlike the Phase One, uh, the armor did not feature an internal life support system, necessitating the use for uh, an external respirator in the absence of breathable atmosphere. Prototypes of the armor 
were first fielded sometime prior to the Battle of Ryloth to be tested by elite Arak troopers. After the reorganization of the Galactic Republic into the Empire, the kit would be retained by early stormtroopers until the in- introduction of their own unique armor set. However, the Empire's shock troopers and purge troopers would continue to use the armor years after its replacement by most other branches. Uh, purge troopers would wear a lightsaber resistant version of that armor as well so um so yeah so the, like the phase two armor it's got a little more gear in it uh yep. it's uh more suitable for a kind of breathing in space it's got the 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 snorkel attachments there if they needed to plug in some sort of uh, oxygen tank or whatever um, this is all stuff that the phase one uh helmet didn't have so yeah um yeah and it's got the the subtle kind of references to the stormtrooper helmet so like the phase two looks very very close to the phase uh to the to the stormtrooper right um Mm. and i guess by the time the uh republic forms into the empire in revenge of the sith technically those are stormtroopers um you know and we do see them kind of uh shift uh slowly after that but they do kind of maintain that that look for a little while for a couple years after uh, revenge of the sith uh not not too late but you know just like you know between two to three years so yeah um, um there's yeah. actually I, I sent you that photo of of the four helmets we've got the phase one phase two what we all love as uh stormtroopers yeah, and the stormtrooper and the first order yeah, yeah. and then the, the abortion troopers um but uh <laughs> uh yeah uh and you know just just as i'm sure as a lot of you guys know you know i hate disney star wars and i it's not the first time, last time I'm going to say it, but uh, anytime, just for future reference, I say abortion, just, you know, know that I'm talking about Disney, uh, Disney Star Wars, but just a, just a little side note, just for a little FYI. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you can definitely see the, the differences, especially with between the phase one and the phase two, or sorry, the phase two and the stormtrooper helmet. Like you definitely see that, you know, they have that, that, um, apparatus that does help them breathe and then yeah, for sure with the abortion trooper helmet like they kind of take it away and it's a uh, uh similar but very different design like the, the the eye the visor part is somewhat similar between the abortion one and the um uh the stormtroopers like the the visor part but it looks thicker in the abortion one and it's got this like weird line that's almost like a sideburn kind of thing and then kind of goes into the over the mouth um yeah, so it's you definitely see all the differences, but um, the development in the, um, you know, it just in the troop armor, like like Dave Filoni said in in that little uh, interview there, he said like it's so awesome to to design the clones because like they can do whatever they want, and what they did is just you know it's fantastic, right? And they they just nail it because there's so many different kinds of troopers. And whatever, whatever part of the, of the, whether it's Clone Wars or, you know, we have um, the Galactic Empire, like just, it doesn't matter. Like there's so many kinds of troopers. They're all different and all of their armor is specific to what their duty is. And like, it's awesome. Like, it, so I can totally see where he says it must've been awesome. Like that. Yeah. Like a lot yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you, did you notice there was one other thing I picked out, which was uh, Grievous has a, a shared line with Darth Vader. Uh, he says all too easy. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Like, um, uh, the, in this episode it, it's action packed. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of super important dialogue, but we, 
you know, it's cool because we get to see a Saj Ventress again and her and Anakin, they face it off. And then, yeah. you know, the classic Obi-Wan Kenobi and we've got Grievous, they face it off again. And then yeah. all in the middle of that, you know, we've got uh, these, uh, the same cadets that we see in that uh, arc of Boba Fett, where they're on the ship and Boba Fett wants to make an assassin assassination attempt on Mace Windu's life. We see them again, uh, but they actually kind of do a little bit of war this time. They go against the droids and they've got uh, two or three claw. I think it was three of them kind of, uh, kind of fighting on the other side. And we have uh, this, this lovable character named 99. Uh, he's a, he's a clone that like he, the defect. He yeah. 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 The defect. Like he's got the whole, uh, hunchback of Notre Dame going on thing. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, like he, he's old and he's, he's defective, but, but like he, the guy's got heart and he really displays that through this episode. Um, you know, he's bringing, bringing the cadets and, and the, and the other clone troopers kind of guiding them, it, bringing them, you know, like grenades, he's bringing them ammunition. Like he's, even though he's not, you know, like, you know, perfect like the other ones are, uh, he's he really like they say, uh, you know, uh, tragically he actually dies in this episode. But he said one of the clones says, you know, he was he really was one of us. He was really a soldier. And like it, yeah. when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that that hit home because like, yeah, you know, he couldn't do much. He was still there for his brothers. Like they're all brothers in his eyes, whether they're defective or perfect. And he just really. He, he went for it with them and it was, it was yeah really his cool. heart was still in the same place oh yeah totally, totally it was in the right place and he he wanted uh he he wanted to to get it with with the other guys right um yeah there's one cool move from uh asajj ventress in this episode she i call it kind of the kiss of death where it's uh one trooper is storming through the hall <laughs> you, you got a nickname for everything man <laughs> I, I do i do um uh so like she this this uh, this clone trooper is kind of storming through one of the corridor, one of the hallways in um, um, uh, what's it called um, on, on the in the Camino in the barracks. Yeah, in the, thank you in the barracks. Um, so in the barracks, um, and uh, a bunch of droids are attacking him, and he he fights back. He holds his own for a little bit, but then we see him kind of levitate, and he's force choked by Asajj, and then. He knows what's going on, and you know it's just when when there's just one of you, or it doesn't matter. Like just, they just toy with the clones, right? And she chokes him and brings him in, and then takes the lightsaber, stabs him through the chest, and then kisses him. And like I thought that was a pretty cool move from her. Um, like I I yeah. I hate that she gets away all the time as she does later in the episode, she always gets away, but she's also very good at what she does. Like she's, she's, she's to me, the character who kind of comes in, she puts her two cents in and then she dips, you know, yeah, like yeah, she, she, sure. she fights, she hurts some people, kills some people. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, she's, she very, she's, she's getting progressively more skilled as we see her like kind of go along. Right. Yeah, uh, definitely. Actually side, side note here is that this was uh, the first time her and Grievous met and also, um, there, uh, did you notice that throughout the whole show so far, and it's, it's actually, uh, you should keep this in mind going forward as well, but they always try to keep Anakin out of Grievous's way because in episode three, that's when Anakin meets Grievous for the first time. It's like general Grievous, you're shorter than I expected. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, that point. whole, that whole conversation between Anakin and uh, Grievous on the ship 
the Invisible Hand in in Revenge of the Sith is um, is their first encounter. Obi Wan and Grievous have met dozens of times before, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, never under the um, uh, yeah, ne- uh, like unlike unlike Anakin, he's always kind of happens to be off somewhere else right so when you know when obi-wan kind of made that little line saying uh uh go go look after the dna room uh, i i'm gonna i'm gonna hold the barracks or something like that right yeah um yeah it was it was a way in the story it was a way to get anakin out of grievous's way with him and ventress being in the same place they were able to use ventress as anakin's kind of classic uh standoff whereas uh obi-wan and grievous kind of go at it again uh, so yeah, just kind of worth mentioning going forward in the show, you'll notice that this happens uh, quite a bit where they kind of keep Anakin out of kind of the way of meeting Grievous in person. Yeah, so. I think I think the reason behind that, like, is because like, let's be honest, like Obi Wan, he's he's skilled, you know, he's he's a master. Don't get don't get us wrong. He he does defeat Anakin on Mustafar, right? He's blinded, you know, Anakin's blinded by rage and whatever else, hatred and all that stuff. But if you think about it, like, especially, you know, even in the Clone War, like Anakin, he's still super powerful. This is a couple of years after Attack of the Clones. He's he's not the guy you want to piss off. And he I think he would just absolutely murk Grievous if he if he really ticked him off, if he did something like where, I don't know, let's say he he hurts Ahsoka or he 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 hurts Obi-Wan, something like that. And Anakin is there to witness it. Like, I think just the the anger that Anakin would get from that he would just go to town on Grievous and he would he would he he, he'd embarrass him like honestly that's that's my honest opinion like it's so I think there's a good reason behind that um another another little uh little side note that I noticed in the episode there's uh uh, Grievous and Asajj Ventures are having a conversation and um Asajj uh, says to him you know Count Dooku taught you how to how to wield a lightsaber, but um, uh, I can't remember the rest of her line. But I think she says something like, um, "You know, you're no, you're not really uh, that good past that kind of thing." Um, yeah, something like that. Something like that. But like, it, it, it's it's cool that she brought that up because um, I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> he's uh, he's mostly a droid at this point, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, like, that's he, the thing. Yeah, like he's. Could you could you imagine like if he if he really had a time to hone in his skills more like he he's got it down he's got four arms he does that whole windmill thing which everyone loves like that move is awesome like that would you know murk anyone uh, or most people but um but like if I think if he was really given time to kind of become uh like kind of like a Sith apprentice like in the way that Asajj is um he's got the whole droid army that he's taking care of. Right. And he's, he's the general of that, but like, he's, he's just, he would be an insane character if he was actually, you know, taught the force, you know, taught how to, how to manipulate it, how to, how to, you know, like, um, yeah, if he was able to use it, that is exactly like if he was, you know, if he could do it, but like, uh, it, it, I think he'd be an insane character, you know, the windmill move and he's got four lightsabers. Like that's, you know, it'd be like, who would want to mess with them, right? 
Well, and we've talked about it before that he was once kind of a proud warrior, right? Because yeah. Kit Fisto went to his home and, and saw the statues and the memorabilia of his years of being this this hunter, right? This proud warrior. But yeah. over the years, like power has uh, kind of corrupted him and, and he's, he's slowly kind of uh, chosen to try and evolutionize his ability to fight. And yet, uh, even though he can impressively enough withstand against obi-wan kenobi uh, he's just kind of you know he's in the position now of like overconfidently facing enemies he can't handle and then cowardly runs away when he's when he's losing the fight right yeah. so uh we, we always see it happen every single time so yeah. it's <laughs> there's nothing new there but uh um, yeah. but yeah it is cool to see uh, uh this episode was was pretty awesome uh a good watch that's for sure definitely like i i, I would i was go i would go as far to say probably as far as action goes it's probably one of the best for me so yeah, far. it's definitely yeah definitely yeah. one of the best yeah yeah um i, I think that's have, um, it. i think that's yeah it do you have anything me. uh any last words or should we just sign off here yeah you know i think i think that's it for me i mean one uh let's see uh, no i think that's pretty much it for me like um yeah, I, I, this arc for me kind of started off a little slow, and it was kind of like, okay, Mandalorian, okay, politics, blah blah blah. But uh, once we kind of got into like those that second, you know, the academy and then assassin, like once we got into those, like it it, it really picked up, and then and then we get to finish it off with this, um, uh, yeah, uh, the standalone you know, episode, the standalone episode, arc troopers, and it was uh, it was good. I, I really enjoyed this uh, this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Well, we got some good ones coming up too, and uh, we're gonna have you back for that as well. So thanks again for coming back on the show. Yeah, as always. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, remember, guys, you know, if you have any um, any questions, any comments, any concerns, any anything you want to bring up, you know, feel free to 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 message the show. Like, we'll we'll gladly yeah. bring you guys. Want if you guys have questions, if you want to talk, we we'll gladly bring you on. We're more than happy to answer any questions and stuff. And, um, you know any any anything you guys want to bring up with us so remember to wash your hands and uh you know since you're staying in remember to listen to our podcast and that's pretty yeah, much and be, and be sure to share it yeah be sure to share it and yeah stay tuned for the next one yeah all right thanks man yeah thank you catch you next time see ya all right thanks guys for tuning in and don't forget to send us an email the escape pod at outlook.com or uh, follow us on twitter shoot us a tweet at uh, sw escape podcast those are in the description below and uh, so is all the episodes that uh, uh, hopefully that you've seen before listening to this uh, in the clone wars but those are also hyperlinked in the description there uh, so you can hit that stream on disney plus and it'll take you right into the app where you can watch that uh, so uh, you can use our description prior to listening uh, just as a way to kind of make sure you're hitting the right episodes in the right order. And then uh, you can give us a play afterwards and uh, and check that out. Uh, so uh, last thing I kind of want to mention is uh, don't forget, we will be throwing other episodes out there other than Clone Wars Talk. Uh, don't worry. Uh, we just hit at this spree of managing to, you know, kind of binge a whole bunch out there for you guys and, and try and get you kind of up to speed on the show. Because I know that the final season is kind of out now or so well, it's coming out slowly. And uh, the hype to watch it is kind of out there. So uh, we do want to try and accelerate our timeline of kind of catching up to that season. And, and uh, you know, we have not forgotten about that. So 
yeah, just expect a lot more out of Clone Wars Talk episodes going forward. And uh, don't worry, there's going to be a few things that I got in mind uh, coming out your way as well. Uh, but I hope you're all staying safe, staying indoors, washing your hands, you know, staying safe uh, with the whole virus going on, that is. Um, but uh, if there's anything that... Uh, we can kind of entertain you with just uh drop a comment let us know don't forget to rate us well and share it with a friend may the force be with you